Today, we're going to tell you about the rainbow family of living light, which I already hate. And it is a group that calls themselves the largest non-organization of non-members in the world. I know we're not supposed to talk in this bit, but give me a fucking break. They will not. They will not give you a break. The rainbow family of living light is tied together by yearly rainbow gatherings, which have been described as a weirder, less organized version of the desert festival Burning Man. While the gatherings may preach peace, love and nonviolence, they also have a storied past marked with murder and bloodshed. everyone and welcome to Sinister Societies, a Spotify original from Parcast. I'm Hannah Maguire. And I'm Saruti Bala. Every week we're going to cover your favourite cults, faith followers and secret societies. We'll look into how some of the biggest secretive societies and cults have made their fortunes. And also how they've managed to run in plain sight and permeate into your everyday life. Today we are speaking through gritted teeth about the Rainbow Family of Living Light, a group formed in the 70s against the backdrop of Richard Nixon and the Vietnam War. The hallmark of the group, or non-group as they would call themselves, is a yearly gathering that culminates with a silent meditation (laughs) on the 4th of July. (laughs) No. (laughs) Whimper, whimper, cry, cry, scream. Grumble, grumble. (laughs) While the Rainbow Family is all about non-violence and inclusion... Their gatherings have had messy consequences, especially in more recent years. We'll get into the spate of deaths at multiple different gatherings and also the rift in the group that may just spell the end of this happy family. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, The gym is the scariest place of all, but it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. All right, let's get into the rainbow family of living light. The Rainbow Family had its origins at the 1970 Vortex Music Festival in rural Oregon. It was a festival that the state helped put on because they were trying to lure away anti-war activists from protesting President Nixon, who was scheduled to visit Portland. That is very smart. What do they all want? They want drugs and music and let's do it really far away from D.C. And they're like, then we'll make them choose if they want to come do a boring protest or go to this fun festival. (laughs) smart. That's pretty good. Attending this false flag vortex gathering operation were Barry Plunker Adams and Garrick Beck. 
while the Rainbow family officially has no leaders, that never ever works. So these guys are the originators or the elders of the group. So they're in charge, even if they say they are not. Uh huh. Adams is said to have had a prophetic vision that showed a great gathering of tribes made of 144,000 of God's elect mentioned in the book of Revelation. 144,000 is also the amount of Jehovah's Witnesses that are allowed to get into heaven. It's a very special number. The tribes would meet on Independence Day at the center of the universe, wherever that might be. I have a feeling the center of the universe might be wherever Adams happens to be at that particular moment in time. It's at the Vortex Festival in Oregon. Well, actually, I'm talking out my ass. I'm wrong. The center of the universe was, well, conveniently, wasn't that far away from where he was because it was in Colorado, which apparently has its own table mountain, which I did not know. And Adams set his vision in motion in 1972 and began to plan the very first ever in history Rainbow Family Gathering. After recruiting Beck for his mission, the pair set off on a tour of communes in America. I love it. They're doing a recce. They're doing some like, yeah. we're just going to go. We're going to have a little look. We're going to do some market research. Check it out. Smart. So while they're on this mission, the two of them would hand out leaflets about the gathering at Table Mountain. Once again, smart. They go into the locations where their market are going to be hanging out yeah. in other communes. <laughs> and uh, they would also pick up hitchhikers and nomads along the way. But trouble was brewing for the gathering. Adam's appeal to authorities for permission for the event was denied in court. State rangers who managed the area around Table Mountain were wary of the gathering. One was quoted in the Denver Post as saying, quote, the only reason these kids come up here is for sex and dope. I think you're just jealous. Denver what else Post. do you do on a mountain? I don't know. <laughs> and yet the first Rainbow Family gathering moved forward, permission or no permission eventually drawing upwards of 15,000 people. If you've got no permission, that's quite a party. You're secretly going. Yeah, they're not letting bureaucracy get in their way. No. I was going to make a joke about Downing Street parties, but that might be well out of date by the time this goes out. I don't know if it would land, honestly. I also don't think it will land to a majority American audience out of date. Boris will have burned at the stake by the time this goes out anyway. (laughs) Uh, So yeah, they've done their 15,000 person gathering. But there was a face-off with police who arrested hundreds on their way to the event. Approximately 4,000 people who were headed to the event marched up to a police roadblock that had been erected. So again, not so secret, Mm. secret party. And the reason it was probably not so secret was because the huge group that were coming were chanting, singing and blowing bubbles. And in fact, the police were so overwhelmed by this group that they actually just let them pass and the festival went on. Not the bubbles. They're like, no, we can't handle this. We're not prepared for this. No one told us there would be bubbles. A journalist for Rolling Stone magazine reported that there weren't just bubbles. There was cannabis flowing freely and community kitchens providing free food for those there gathered. This journalist described the Rainbow family as, quote, people in biblical robes, naked people, various loners drawn together (laughs) by some kind of affinity. Various loners. That's the best description. Various loners sounds like a band that you make instead of painting Warhammer. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. It's the group of kids from school who didn't get to be in the cool band. And now their band's called Various Loners. Ironically. I like it. Of course you would. (laughs) In line with Barry Adams' Independence Day premonition, some of the group hiked to the base of Table Mountain to await Armageddon. And although Armageddon never came, the first Rainbow Family Gathering had been a resounding success, and they decided to repeat it the following year. 
So coming up, we'll get into what exactly happens at a rainbow family gathering, as well as the promised spate of deaths and violence that have occurred over the years that we keep talking about. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all, but it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. Let's talk about the details of what actually happens at the yearly Rainbow Family Gathering. Since their first event in 1972, the Rainbow Family of Living Light has held rainbow gatherings every single year in the summer. And the event culminates with a silent meditation on July the 4th. Bit of an anticlimax, I reckon. Not the way to end a party. No, I'd like a firework. Mm. At least the one. The classic. The classic way to end. With a bang, some might say. I have only been to one meditation and it was by accident. (laughs) So, (laughs) Meditation retreat or meditation session? Session. Oh, okay. I'm not, you know, come on. And it was free. So it was at the Buddhist Center, which was started by Barrister Christmas Humphreys. Oh. Who defended Ruth Ellis, the last woman to be hanged in Britain. He started the London Buddhist Center. Why? I mean, he's a Buddhist? One would presume. Presume. (laughs) I just remember it because Christmas Humphreys is my favorite name. Anyway, so the London Buddhist Center, they do free yoga. What they don't tell you is that you have to listen to Buddhism stuff also. And you have to listen about their like summer fair that they have. And you have to sit in this room and drink tea and listen to them talk about Buddhism. That's their whole bag though. Yeah. So I was fooled by the Buddhists. And I went to what I thought was yoga. Mm -hmm. What it was, was a 50 minute silent meditation session where you sat entirely still for 50 minutes. That's fucking racket. They say it's free. It's not. It's a donation. They hound you at the door. And you have to sit on these cushions for 50 minutes, completely still, completely silent. And I had a cough. (laughs) And it was one of those coughs where like, you know, when you can't cough and then it just like, it feels like spiders are crawling inside your throat. So then I just started to look like I was going to be sick. Uh, So yeah, I never went back. I'm not welcome at the London Buddhist Centre. No, I don't want to be welcome there either. That sounds horrible. No, it's not how I would like to end a festival. Mm -mm. Apparently, a group called the Vision Council decides the next year's location on the final day of the Rainbow Gathering. But it's always a national forest, so they can't stray too far from the rules that aren't rules. For this group that's a non-group. Dictated by the leaders who aren't (laughs) leaders. And the council, who aren't a council, is open to anybody who wants to join. And apparently there's multiple councils. That's where you start to run into problems. Yeah, this is why we have rules. (laughs) And this is why you can't have nice things. (laughs) But in order to keep these multi-councils non-hierarchical, anytime two or more people meet to talk, that is considered counselling. So you and I are counselling right now. Got it. But the decisions that affect the North American Rainbow family are left to the main council. Sounds a bit hierarchical. Sounds a little bit like there might be some steps to a ladder here. But it is open to anyone who wants to participate. So if you want to give your time to the Rainbow Family Council, they'll happily have you. None of this makes any sense. These council meetings, the main council, not the two-person councilettes, the main council meetings start with something they call 
hot songs. No. Yes. No. Yes, my friend. This is a talking stick style object is passed around a circle and everyone in that circle is given a chance to speak. Oh my God. So anyone can join the council and anyone can speak and you have to listen to that person speak and you can't interrupt them. It should fucking go on forever. How do you get anything done? I suspect. They didn't. They don't. (laughs) And you're going to love this. Even if what they have to say has nothing to do with the meeting, they're allowed to say it as long as they're holding the talking stick. So in addition to the council, there is also a seed camp, which creates the infrastructure for the gathering, including water and waste systems and food distribution. While money isn't used at the event, obviously, of course not, bartering is acceptable. Food and water is shared freely amongst attendees. The gathering also has a Centre for Alternative Living Medicine, and people can go there for free medical help. Their reputation for care, however, is a little bit spotty. I mean, at least it's not the Centre for Alternative Death Medicine. This is true. They're like, it's about the living. We're going to try our best to keep you living. But no guarantees. So at a meeting in Quebec, the remedy for a deep foot cut was apparently said to be to walk around barefoot and let the earth heal your foot. Just, you know, the cherry on top of this bit of advice. Fun fact, that particular gathering was located on a garbage dump. I thought all the gatherings were at national parks. One's a national park and a garbage dump. Well, someone's got to put their peak waste somewhere. They really do. And please, 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 if you have a cut, do not let the earth heal it. Keep it incredibly clean. Keep it incredibly dry. Keep it wrapped up. All this nonsense of let it breathe. Don't do that. Don't do any of this that the alternative living medicine group are telling you. (laughs) So when confrontations, violence or disagreements happen during a gathering, the Rainbow family turns to something they call omming, which is when people form a circle around the agitated party or person, hold hands and chant om. So since the beginning, state and federal officials have tried to shut down these large and hard to control festivals. Because of the group's lack of a singular leading body, however, officials don't have anyone to negotiate with or get permits from. Ah, okay. So, do we think that this chaos is on purpose? Or is this chaos so exactly what we just said? There's no lead person to target. Okay, bear with me on this one. Uh Uh-huh. If this appeals to you, Mm -hmm. it would be my guess that maybe you're not very good at being on time. (laughs) Maybe you don't fit into normal social situations. Perhaps reading long, boring legal documents is not something you enjoy doing. Uh Therefore, maybe you are not particularly suited to organizing large events. I would agree with that. It stands out, this group, because all of the people who join these groups, I can see that. But it is interesting that there isn't a person obviously at the top taking charge of that and I wonder if that's an accident or by design but interesting maybe everyone has just smoked too much weed to care I think that's what's happened for other festivals like Burning Man in Nevada the Bureau of Land Management charges a significant fee in exchange for a permit to use the land the rainbows on the other hand just show up and the authorities have to manage as best they can when the gatherings happen In 2008, there was tension between the Forest Service and the Rainbow family, and it reached a total boiling point. 
Forest Service officers fired pepper balls at the festival's encampment, and a report by the American Civil Liberties Union said apparently that was unprovoked. I would argue just showing up with thousands of people is a provocation. (laughs) On, like, state land as well? Yeah. The officers say that they were hit with sticks and rocks thrown by people as they tried to arrest an attendee on drug possession charges. The American Civil Liberties Union report called the behavior harassment and overzealous enforcement. It said that this type of behavior from the Forest Service had become a pattern in their relationship with the Rainbow family. I don't know, like, is the Forest Service the same as, like, a branch of law enforcement or is it, like, rangers? All I have in my head is Smokey the Bear, so I don't know. No. We don't have that here. No. Famously, not as many forests. Not as many forests. We have, like... Moorland. We have Moorland. We have park keepers, but their job is to just kick you out before dusk and be friends with badgers and stuff. Like, that's basically it. It's not as, like, a rough-and-tumble job as I imagine being a forestman Mm -hmm. in the States is. Mm -hmm. In Colorado, even. Less expansive. Less expansive. Less wild. Apparently, one of these wild officers who patrolled the Wyoming Rainbow Gathering estimated that it cost the Forest Services $1 million to patrol the event, none of which the Rainbow family paid. So coming up, we'll get into other notable incidences that have given the Rainbow Family Gathering its reputation as a free-for-all, sometimes with deadly consequences. Okay, let's get into some other incidents that have occurred during Rainbow Family Gatherings. Rainbow Family Gatherings have suffered from a few different spates of sanitary-related health issues. Oh, good. Yeah, that's what parting on top of a fucking garbage dump with cut feet's gonna get you. To be honest, Glastonbury is arguably one of the most expensively maintained music festivals in the world, and even that has a trough of shit. It's just inevitable, I think. It's Mm -hmm. inevitable. So the first major one of these sanitary-related health issues was in 1987, when over 60% of attendees came down with diarrhea. And I just feel like diarrhea begets diarrhea at a festival like that. (laughs) That is generally how it works, yeah. So while the exact source of the stomach bug is unknown, it is likely tied back to contaminated water at one of the community kitchens or generally the unsanitary conditions around the camp. The Forest Service argued in court that the poor cleanup at the site of the gathering that year should block them from holding another one the following year, which I think is fair enough because someone has to come in and clean that up. Again, that's money that they're not paying for. Meanwhile, lawyers for the Rainbow Families, they've got lawyer money. Mm, They don't have poop money. Mm -hmm. Lawyers for the Rainbow Family accused the Forest Service of blocking vehicles carrying fresh water and latrine covers, which may have led to the diarrhea incident. Why should they let your fucking water lorries through they're trying to get rid of you because Saru, it's a siege we are one with the earth <laughs> and we should be able to do whatever we want mm-hmm. because i don't see you holding a talking stick so i don't think you actually have any jurisdiction yeah, yeah, here. Yeah, yeah. you can't talk when you're not holding the talking stick. it's my talking stick and it's invisible <laughs> and the problem is that and this is the bit that i don't appreciate at all Human participants weren't the only ones affected by the lack of sanitation at these events. 
In 2006, there was a parvovirus outbreak amongst dogs at the festival, which required 200 doses of vaccines and cost the local Humane Society $800. Right, now I'm annoyed. Leave the dogs alone. Only gets worse, I'm afraid. In 1980, the bodies of two women with gunshot wounds were found near the Rainbow Gathering in Missouri. Gathering attendees were questioned about the murders. Investigating a rift between the Rainbow family and the locals near the event, the police eventually arrested a local resident for the shooting. The local man was convicted, but went on to win a retrial and was found innocent. A white supremacist later confessed to the murders, but he never stood trial. Jose Antonio Ramos, who was the primary suspect in the disappearance of a small child in New York City, apparently attended two Rainbow gatherings. At one of them, he was accused of molesting an eight-year-old boy. After being identified by Rainbow family elder Barry Adams, Ramos was arrested and convicted. He served a 25-year prison sentence for the crime. At least Barry's doing something. Yeah, I'll give him that. A not leader. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the 2011 Rainbow Gathering in Washington State was marred by deaths. One woman in her late 20s died of a pre-existing condition, and a 50-year-old man had a fatal heart attack at the festival. And a third person... A woman from California went missing during the same event. A few months following the event, the woman's remains were found near the campsite. Her remains were mostly skeletal, which prevented investigators from determining the cause of death. 2014 was another deadly year for the Rainbow Gathering. Law enforcement investigated two separate deaths from that meeting, both of people that were found dead in or near their tents. The cause of the deaths remains unknown. That same year, a woman who went by the moniker Hitler stabbed a man who tried to get her to stop honking her car horn. She was sentenced to 300 days in jail for the stabbing. Surely, even at the Rainbow Family Gathering, being like, hi, I'm Hitler, is going to raise some eyebrows. I mean, if you're starting off a precedent of no rules, then where does it end? This is the problem. <laughs> Pretty soon it ends with people calling themselves Hitler and stabbing you to death. Sooner than you would think. Absolutely. So the following year in 2015, at a regional rainbow gathering, Clark Mayers shot and paralyzed a man who was allegedly approaching him with a machete. Another attendee tried to step in and defuse the situation. But that man was then shot and killed. Mayers was charged with first-degree murder. He went on to claim self-defense under Florida's Stand Your Ground law. According to the Bill of Rights Institute, quote, the law allows those who feel a reasonable threat of death or bodily injury to, quote, meet force with force rather than retreat. Mayers was able to walk free for the murders using this defense in 2020. More recently, the 2020 Rainbow Gathering ran into a spot of bother when the location chosen encroached on sacred Native American land in Idaho. COVID also divided the Rainbow family because there was one faction who came out against the gathering in order to stop the spread of the virus COVID-19. And they called themselves the Om from Home faction. The only thing worse than being ommed is being ommed on Zoom. <laughs> Tribal leaders in Idaho visited the gathering to try and persuade the people to move to another site. One leader reported that participants had dug six latrines, built 40 fire pits and cut down trees and dammed a stream. You really would think that encroaching on sacred ground is something they would bear in mind, but apparently not. Members of Om From Home met with Native American leaders and promised to take care of any damage caused by the gatherer. So at least someone's taking some responsibility somewhere. 
And finally, at the 2021 Rainbow Gathering in Florida, a 41-year-old man was shot and killed. Attendees say a truck drove into the area of the event in a dangerous way, and the driver then reversed and fired a gun from a distance, which is when the man was killed. This case is still being investigated as we speak. Well, that's one of the weirder ones to pin down. Yeah. Because there isn't that obvious leader at the head of it, like what their motivation was. It really does feel like, I know we scoffed at it at the start, but this non-group of non-members, it does kind of feel like exactly what they said it was from the outside. Yes, that's true. Interesting, interesting. But no, I know it's like the deaths in this case and the abuses in this case are not as, it doesn't seem like they are as a direct result of one leader who's being overzealous. It seems like what happens when you pull a bunch of people together and there's no law enforcement and like you don't know what's going on and loads of people taking drugs and there's all wild shit going on. So bad times. Yeah, I mean, it does come with, if you're going to have like a decentralized non-organization organization, people are going to take advantage of it, but you'll never get caught. This is true. Because who are they going to catch? What would you call your rainbow family? Oh, nothing. Nothing. The nothing. The nothing. And everyone just sits and does maths homework. <laughs> What's yours called? Saranti goes to sleep. Excellent. That is what I want to do. So yeah, that is the rainbow family of living light. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Hannah Maguire. And I'm Saruti Bala. We'll be back next week with another great episode. Remember to follow Sinister Societies on Spotify to get a brand new episode every week. You can listen to this and all other episodes of Sinister Societies for free exclusively on Spotify. And we just want to give a shout out to the articles that we referenced in this episode. We used reporting from the book People of the Rainbow by Michael I. Nyman, Vice and Rolling Stone. And if you like this show, follow at Parcast on Facebook and on Instagram and at Parcast Network on Twitter. And if you like us and you want to hear us talking about some other true crime cases, you can come on over and check out our long running podcast with literally hundreds of episodes to binge in the back catalogue. It's called Red Handed and you can find that anywhere you listen to your podcasts. And we'll see you next time. Bye. Sinister Societies is executive produced by Max Cutler and is a Spotify original from Parcast. It's produced by Kristen Acevedo and Gemma Waters. Sound designed by Kristen Acevedo with associate sound design by Kevin McAlpine. Production assistance by Ron Shapiro. Researched by Chelsea Wood. And fact-checking by Cara McAleen. And we're your hosts, Hannah Maguire and Saruti Bala. <laughs>